0: you are locked on magic your daily podcast on the orlando magic part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and hello everyone welcome once again to another orlando magic daily facebook live today is march 11th 2018 if you're listening on locked on magic It'll be March 12th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com and the host of Locked On Magic, your daily podcast covering the Orlando Magic. Welcome to another episode of the Facebook Live. Magic are coming home from the West Coast. They played the LA Clippers last night. We'll recap that game in just a moment and touch on some of the key issues from the from the games over the weekend. Um, I may save that for Tuesday's episode of, or not Tuesday's, for, yeah, I might may, may, I may touch on those. Uh, today, because I won't have time to do, get to it tomorrow with the with the guests that I have planned for tomorrow's show. Today, though, the main topic of discussion will be and will remain your questions. I've been hoarding your mailbag questions since the All Star break. I'm finally ready to get down and answer them. So I will answer some of your questions that I've that I've received over the past couple couple weeks, um, as well as answer your questions here in the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Just be sure to leave your comments. Uh, right over here or over there in the comment section if you're watching live on Facebook Live. And if you aren't, you can always drop me a line at omagicdaily, at lockdownmagic, at philiprr underscore omd. Just pick one. Uh, omagicdaily is probably the best one. Uh, or you can email me at omagicdaily at gmail With all those intros out of the way, let's talk about Saturday's game. The Orlando Magic taking on the LA Clippers and what's probably going to become a typical story, and it's really been a typical story for the Orlando Magic for some time, the Orlando Magic played a solid game. Energy was good, certainly better than it was Friday. The execution was not bad. Um, defense was okay, not great. The team gave itself every chance to win, except for a five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. It just didn't have enough horses to get to the forty-eight minutes. And that, to me, when I look at, it, there are so. I mean, I've covered a bad. I've covered a bad team now for for six years. To me, there are big. I can tell. I can tell you what the differences are between a good team and a bad team, and it, it has to do with talent, but it has to do with players maybe playing the wrong role uh, or being asked to do more than they're capable of. It's not that there are bad players. I don't think any. I really don't think there are any bad players on the Magic. I think that they're asked to do more than they are capable of doing uh, in the long run, or at least for a, a successful team. So you had that. You have teams that can't quite finish. I can play maybe. Forty minutes of really good basketball, but can't get that last eight, and that last eight is all the difference. The Clippers outscoring the Magic twenty six to sixteen in the fourth quarter, um, erasing uh, what was a, a really uh, as big as an, a, a nine point lead for Orlando in the second half. It looked like Orlando was was going to really be in control of this game, but Lou Williams scores ten of his, I think it was twenty two point twenty five points, excuse me, ten of his twenty five points in the fourth quarter. They get some good energy from Milos Teodosic off the bench. Good energy from Montrezl Harrell, uh, and the Magic's bench just could not match whatever they had working in the second quarter. Did not work for them in the fourth quarter. LA pulls away from Orlando at the very, very end to get a 105-113, sorry, 113-105 victory. Again, Orlando played pretty well in this game. I have to say, I, I, I don't think there's too much to be upset about. It was really just a six-minute stretch where the Magic just could not score, could not create offense, and could not get stops. And it was a little bit of a mismatch. You know, I was watching that lineup. I think it was Shelvin Mack, Rodney Purvis, Wessa Wundu, uh, Ken Burch, and Bismack Biombo, And I just said, there's just not enough shooting or scoring there. I mean, Shelvin, is, Shelvin Mack was doing his best to drive and, and, and create for his team, but that they were unable to just get loose. They were unable to kind of uh, make the wheels make the wheels uh, uh, work, uh, uh, or or keep the wheels spinning. And and so Orlando definitely just, it was just frustrating to watch because you could see that, I mean, effort's not the problem here. I mean, I think Friday night effort was a little bit of the problem, but effort was not the problem in Saturday's game against the Clippers. The Magic did just about everything they needed to do to win the game. They just could not get the baskets, could not get the stops that they needed at the very, very end. Um, It's it's frustrating to see, but I, I think overall positive sign, a good bounce back game from from Friday night's disappoint disappointing effort in Sacramento. Uh, but again, at some point you gotta get results. Uh, I, I know there's the tanking crowd that does not think wins are good that views Saturday's game as, as perfect. Uh, and you know maybe Vogel stuck with his bench a little too long and you, you can read into that or you cannot read into that. I don't. Um, I think Weswandu needed his minutes. I think Purvis needed his minutes. I think Ken Birch needed his minutes. Um, you can read into that or you can't. Uh, but I think overall that, that that overall, Orlando's got to find a way to find those last six minutes. I think that's really going to be one of the storylines for the rest of the season is, is finding those last six minutes, finding that ability to play a full 48 minutes. Now, granted, and I think this is a big part of it, and I think this is a big part of what we're going to watch over the next few games with the Magic being hurt again. Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, both out the last two games against the Lakers. Um, Evan Fournier sprained his MCL. He's going to be out for at least two weeks. Uh, you know, I don't think he—he's hopeful that he'll be back before the season, but you know, at the time I looked up the timeline on, on on various websites, the timeline for a sprained MCL is six weeks, and six weeks is all that's left in the season. It would not surprise me if he is done for the year. Aaron Gordon suffered concussion-like symptoms. He said he told Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel that it was more of a migraine headache and not so much a concussion headache, but. The concussion protocols are pretty black and white. You show symptoms, you go into the protocols. If it's not a concussion, which Gordon seems to believe it's not a concussion, and he's had fair—he's sh- had a few concussions. So If this was diagnosed as a concussion, it would be his third in the last three years. If it was a concussion, then he'll be out. If it's not a concussion, he should be back relatively soon. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back later this week. It's just about getting through the protocols, and the team being on the road makes it tough maybe to get through every piece of the protocol that he needs to be healthy. But it was a good sign that he was on the bench Friday night. I, I think that that shows that there aren't symptoms that, that he is getting better. And and obviously you bring back a player of Aaron Gordon's caliber, that's going to make your team better. And that's going to help you get those last six minutes. Let's let's close out this section. Then a little bit on with the final stats from the game. Uh, again, some, some good numbers here, some good, some good play overall from Orlando. Um, it, uh, Jonathan Simmons, second straight game playing really, really well. 24 points, 7 for 13 shooting, 8 for 10 from the foul line, 7 assists, 5 turnovers, uh, but Simmons overall doing really good things. Both Friday and Saturday, I thought he brought the right energy, was willing to get to the basket, was willing to create the magic, put the ball in his hands, and trusted him, and he delivered. Uh, you know, Someone's got a score for these teams, so obviously that's going to be Simmons, but it's no coincidence. He played 35 minutes against the Clippers, by far the most of any player on the team, the only player... To play more than thirty minutes, Vucevic probably would have gotten there had it not been for foul trouble. But the Magic are putting their trust in Jonathan Simmons right now, and they absolutely have to. And he's absolutely earning that trust. He's had a very up and down season. I think the expanded and added role to his game is definitely, uh, definitely kind of stretched the limits of what he can do. I mean, I don't think I don't think there's no there's any getting around it. The Magic are asking Jonathan Simmons to be more than what he was. With San Antonio, that's 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 obviously what he wanted to, and he's sometimes struggled to fit with the other pieces in the Magic lineup. I think we can all agree that Aaron Gordon's better than Simmons. I think we, most of us can agree that Evan Fournier is better than Simmons, or or, or 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 whatever or whatever. And Simmons, I think, finds it difficult to play off the ball. That's why most of us think that he's better as a sixth man. But in this lineup, with the injuries the Magic are facing, Jonathan Simmons is playing very very well and is playing really above his head, uh, not above his head, but, but playing to his full potential because the Magic have put the ball in his hands and have let him run the show, essentially, and he has done a very good job. I like pairing him with DJ Augustin in that role where Simmons is the primary half-court um, ball handler and driver and creator. He's proving that he can accomplish those things and help the Magic stay afloat. I mean, if the, if the Magic didn't have Jonathan Simmons on Friday, that game would have gotten really ugly, and it was ugly already. The Magic were in this game, had a chance to win it because of Jonathan Simmons, so Really good signs from Simmons to see him playing at the way uh, the way that that he was. So definitely a good sign there. Nikola Vucevic, 17 points, eight for 20 shooting, 10 rebounds, uh, two assists, five fouls for him. Uh, I'm I am not. Vucevic ended up playing a fine game. Uh, I think I think those are the kind of numbers you expect from him. 17 points, shooting roughly 50% from the field, making a three, maybe two. He was one for four on the day. Um, I think that's roughly what you expect from Nikola Vucevic. Problem is, defensively, he was still giving up a lot, and I thought his offensive assertiveness, especially in the first half, wasn't great. thought he was settling too much for his jumpers. That's, that's something we've tracked over the past, where he tends to, to, to go further and further from the pain as the season moves on and as games move on. Uh, and, and so I think Vucevic, he, he should be back from the injury by now. He should be healthy, and, and, and I'll talk about this briefly in a moment, but the Magic need him right now. The, the Magic need him because of the injuries that they have. They need him to play at the level he was before his injury. Uh, and I think that's, that's really what's disappointing right now, is we know he has another level to his game. We know defensively he can be a little bit better. Not expecting him to be perfect, not expecting him to be really good, but he's just been really late on his rotations. He's just kind of been off a little bit on the defensive end. And that obviously hurts the Magic. He's such an important player to this team that they need him badly. I thought the point guard duo of Shelvin Mack and DJ Augustin also played really well. DJ Augustin, 19 points, 5 for 10 shooting, 8 for 9 from the foul line. Shelvin Mack, 16 points, 6 for 11 shooting, 3 assists, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc. Um, thought both did a fine job. Augustin turned the ball over a little too much. Mack was, I think, the better point guard on Saturday, really recovering from a poor game, I thought, on Friday as well. Um, was trying to do his best to create for his team, but that's just not his game again. I think the problem with the Magic right now is they're asking their players to, essentially to do more than they are capable of doing. That's that's the best way I can think of to describe what I view as one of the big problems for the Orlando Magic right now is they're, they're just they're they're trying to do a little bit more than they're capable of doing. And 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 that's that's what happens when you're on a bad team. That's I, honestly, that's what happens when you're on a bad team. You, you have you're asked to do more than you are capable of doing. And so Orlando obviously still has to find a way to upgrade the talent, find ways to get guys in the right roles. It's all up and down the roster, and, and we know this. These aren't, these, aren't, these aren't new. This isn't a new issue. Final guy I want to talk about, Jonathan Isaac. Nine points, four for ten shooting, five rebounds, four steals, and a block. You can't quite capture what this guy does uh, in a box score. Um, he, he had, I thought, his best offensive game since coming back from injury. He made shots uh, pretty consistently uh, and, and did a lot of really good things. On the offensive end, uh, you know, just just kind of being there. Um, you know, still a little tentative. His shot is still a little wonky sometimes. I think I think he needs to rework his release point a little bit. Um, uh, he doesn't quite have it timed. I remember I saw this comment the uh, on Wednesday that Aaron Gordon's athleticism, like someone saying Aaron Gordon's athleticism is so great that he doesn't always he doesn't always jump consistently. So he's sometimes releasing on his way down, and that's an interesting theory. And, and I think Isaac has a little bit of that too, where his length is so great. The timing on his release is, is not always perfect. So I think Isaac has has a lot to work on there as well. So definitely uh, definitely a lot to to work through there as well. Um, you know I think I think uh, I think Orlando uh, is is got a lot to work on here. Um, got a lot to, to to continue to to build off of with Isaac defensively. I, I I don't know if I'm willing to go as far as Frank Vogel has gone. Frank Vogel said after Saturday's game, Jonathan Isaac is already an elite defensive player. I'm not ready to go that far. He's got some weaknesses. He's got some, uh, he's definitely got some uh, 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 rookie mistakes that he makes where he's a little jumpy. He definitely bites on pump fakes. He's sometimes leaning a little bit too much. He's got to add strength still. Um, so he still makes a ton of rookie mistakes, but his recovery and his length is just out of this world, and he's great defensive understanding. He's usually in the right spot, which is incredible for a rookie. Um, he's going to be very, very good on the defensive end and disruptive. He's already disruptive. You can tell how much—I mean, the stats didn't show it in this game, but you can tell how much better defensively um, the magic are with him on the floor. Um, the shot, I think, is going to come. I think the offense is going to come. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. I, get, I, I see the question from Bobby Tyrone, what do you see him turning into? I really don't know yet. Um, I, I just i don't have a feel for his game i think he's still figuring it out and 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 offensively he's just not comfortable yet i think we'll have a better idea of who he's going to be at summer league I'm very excited to see him play in vegas i think that's going to be a, a big turning point for him and that's going to be a big um, big moment for him where we're going to really see what he can do especially playing with a uh, playing with another high high powered rookie or another high pick rookie in the summer league so it's going to be very interesting to see Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before I dive into some of your questions, I do see them, and I will get to them in just a moment. I want to briefly touch upon this weekend's games and and kind of the general theme that that I sense from these two games and and from these two uh, uh, from this moment in the Magic's uh, Magic season. Obviously, and I had this discussion last week. We're focused not on. This part of the board, we're focused on this part of the board. We're, we're focused not on the playoffs, but on the draft. And, 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 I, and we'll talk plenty about the draft on tomorrow's episode. On Not tomorrow, but on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic, I'll be talking with Ricky Skricka, who's done some great draft previews already on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We're going to preview the NCAA tournament from the NBA perspective, who to watch, who, who, to, who to keep an eye on, uh, who's not going to be there? I suspect Muhammad Bamba and Texas will not be in the NCAA tournament. They'll probably be in the NIT, if that. Um, so we'll we'll we'll, ge- we'll give you a clue on which prospects to watch, who we're looking at, who we're watching, what we're watching for as the NCAA tournament unfolds. Remember, um, don't. Uh, I saw this happen a lot during the conference tournaments. Don't put all your stock in the NCAA tournament. I saw people going crazy for Colin Sexton, and he's very good, and he's in my. He's on my board, he's he's in the top 10 on my board, but he's not among the top 10. He's not among the top seven guys that are really, really at the top end of this draft. Um, Sexton really struggled in the middle of the season, like really, really struggled. Um, not Trey Young, not worse than Trey Young struggled. Um, just consistency is a little bit of his issue, but he is a very interesting prospect, and I like him a lot, but he's, he's just not in my big group, and I have a few guys ahead of him as well um, after the big group, so... Um, we'll, we'll talk about all those dynamics and all those all, all the things that you should be watching as we dive into the NCAA tournament a little bit as, as the end of college season ends and, and the public at least gets its last bits of information before the NBA draft. So obviously we're focused on that. We've, we've talked about it ad nauseum. What, I, what my point has always been, what I've always tried to say to everyone is, okay, I get it. This team's going to lose a lot of games. They're bad. They don't need help losing games. They're going to lose games. Look at Saturday night for crying out loud. Saturday night, they played great. Didn't have enough to get to the end. So I'm not worried about the results. What I worry about now is as I watch this team, as I I look at this team is, again, I've said this a million times, building culture, building the foundations for who you want to be. It doesn't mean you're winning the final 12 games of the season. I'm not expecting that. I don't think it's going to happen. Team's just not good enough. Its priorities aren't there. I mean, if the priorities were there, Aaron Gordon would probably be playing, or or they'd be rushing Terrence Ross back. It's it's obviously not there. They're trying to experiment a little bit. They're trying to make sure guys get playing time. They're they're, they're sticking to a 10-man rotation still. So winning is the goal. Don't get me wrong, but winning isn't the only goal. And of course... You're seeing what those results play out. So I feel like I'm always trying to clarify this point. and so this is a, so this weekend brought another opportunity to clarify that point. What I want to see the magic do in these final 15 games is again, build the foundations of their culture. What kind of team do you want to be? What is the very basic standard to which you play by? What is the one thing, no matter what your talent level, that you hold players accountable to? And I think that answer is abundantly clear. It is about playing with the right effort, the right energy, uh, and and really just playing hard all the time. You can live with a loss like Saturday nights. Honestly. It it stings. It sucks. I'm still a believer that when the Magic have a chance to win, they need to win. But you can live with a result like Saturday nights, to be honest. You can, you, can, you can live with that because the team played extraordinarily hard. They gave a full effort in that game. They didn't execute all the time, but they gave a full effort. And especially now that the Magic are down two key players, their top two scorers in Evan Forney and Aaron Gordon, that kind of effort and that kind of energy is required. I am at the point where, if I see a player not giving a full effort, a full energy, that's when I gotta yank that player. And you can argue that you didn't see it very much on Saturday, but Friday night—Friday night to me was a very disappointing game for the Magic because I didn't see that energy, and effort. I didn't see that very basic thing that they need to have. If the Magic want to get results, if the Magic want to get anything out of these final 15 games, they have to build that basic level of, of consistency, that their effort is unquestioned, that they are flying around from sudden. To be fair, Friday night, second half, I thought Orlando had it, just not enough, and they, they their execution was so poor on the offensive end that... it. it their effort was kind of misdirected. If they had good effort, I disagree with Coach Vogel. I did not think the effort was great in that game. I thought I thought outside of Jonathan Simmons, team was very lethargic and going through the motions, and just just did not display the kind of certainly not the execution, but did not display the the effort and energy that they would need to win games. Again, it's about building winning habits. You may not win occasionally. You do need to win to to build those habits and to and to build that trust. But at the, same ti- at the same time, you also need to just have that consistent level. And right now, with all the injuries the Magic are facing, that, that means next man up mentality. It's, been, it's a cliche in the sports world. When someone goes down, the next man has to step up. But it's not as much about the next man stepping up. The Magic also need their starters to step up more. You remember before Nikola Vucevic's injury, before, before Vuce got hurt, he was playing perhaps his best basketball in a Magic uniform. He was carrying the team, leading the team in points, rebounds, assists. He was defending at a high level. The Magic didn't get the results, but... Um, sorry about that, I plugged, plugged my thing in. Um, the Magic didn't get the results... But they were playing fine, especially considering everything that they were missing. When you're missing such key players, yeah, you need your bench to step up, and the bench didn't step up in the fourth quarter on Saturday, but you also need your starters to carry more of a load. You need to put more on them. Jonathan Simmons has stepped up to that plate. Nikola Vucevic, I thought, Saturday night. It took him a while to get there, and we know he has another level to his game that we need to see him play at. Again, if if you know me, if you've listened to me, you know I don't like talking about these intangible things. I can't measure effort. I can't measure energy. And And really, who am I to say that a player is not trying? I think these guys are trying. But unfortunately, the circumstances the Magic find themselves in, if winning is truly the goal, and I'm going to assume it is, they need more. They need more from everyone at least until reinforcements come. And maybe Aaron Gordon's ready to go Tuesday, and and that'll ease some pressure. Or maybe not. So, when I watch these games, these final 15 games, I am looking first at the energy and effort level. Are you trying? Not trying, but are you giving more than all your effort, essentially? Because that's what it's going to take to win. And I think that's the biggest thing that this team has lacked, Over the last five years, the biggest thing that has been missing is Orlando is often not willing to give that extra effort. Not all the time. And that needs to be bottom line, baseline thing for this franchise moving forward. Jonathan Isaacs played with great energy. I I think he's been fantastic. He's had maybe one or two games where he's looked like a rookie. His injection has been fantastic for this team. He's made the team better. Jonathan Simmons over the last two nights has been fantastic. Exactly what the Magic signed him for. Shelvin Mack has been great in his consistent way. He, he levels everyone off, keeps everyone calm. Now Orlando needs to keep building on that. They need to keep growing and developing, and then from there, from there, the magic can hopefully, hopefully, build something permanent for the future. Like I said, I wanted to get to your mailbag questions today, so we'll probably go uh, another 20 minutes or so here, answer some of your questions. Getting a few questions about this, so um, before we dive more deeply into draft stuff, because I'm sure we'll talk. Everyone wants to talk about the draft. Um, Chris Knight asks, "Do you think AG is deserving a max contract with his history of injuries throughout his career?" When I look at injury history, when I when I think about injury history. The thing that always concerns me is not that a player has a series of unrelated injuries. It's recurring injuries that that concern me. Aaron has definitely had a history of injuries, and I think because he plays above the rim, he's always going to be susceptible to you know getting knocked and, and getting hit and, and taking some 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 bumps and bruises. But I'm not concerned about Aaron Gordon's injury history. He's only had one recurring injury, and that's a concussion. And there's nothing you can do about those. It's not like he's got a series of knee injuries. It's not like he's got a series of back issues. It's not like he has a series of foot issues. Every single one of the injuries that's kept him out for any extended period of time has largely been unrelated. He broke his foot in his rookie year. He broke his jaw before his second season. He had the left hip flexor. He's had a, he's had a couple of concussions, so I, I don't worry so much about Gordon's injury history. I, I, I think I think it's more if, if you're concerned about his injury history, you're more concerned about his playing style leading to these bumps and bruises. And Aaron's 22. I, I think that that's not a concern so much for me. Now, is Gordon deserving of a max contract? In a perfect market, I. I don't think he would be. I don't. I. I wouldn't say Gordon is a quote-unquote max player. Um, the market might bear that, though. The market determines whether you're a max player or not, not your ability or skill level. If a team offers Gordon the max this summer, the Magic should match. In fact, I think the Magic should match any offer on Aaron Gordon. It's both a marketing reason that, you know, especially with Oladipo and the way he's developed and the way he did after he left, the Magic can't afford to let another young guy go and star somewhere else. So I think the magic will match any offer he gets. I honestly, I think Gordon's free agency is going to play out very similarly to the way Tobias Harris's free agency played out. From my understanding, the magic Rob Hennigan at the time told Tobias Harris, go get a max offer sheet and we'll come back to the table. they they had a kind of low ball offer that was kind of Hennigan's way was he, he lowballed the guys and, and restricted free agency and got lucky with Vooch and somewhat Evan Forney. So the Magic... So Tobias Harris got that max offer sheet. He did get a max offer sheet. I, I literally saw the thing. <laughs> um, and he went back to the Magic, and they negotiated a deal. And it was less than a max contract, but he got some extra incentives, and, and, and it worked out. I suspect that Gordon's free agency is going to go much the same way. They're going to go out and say go get a max co- max offer sheet. He's going to go get a max offer sheet and from there the magic will negotiate a deal, probably 5 years, I would suspect they'll give him a 5 year deal, um, probably in the range, I would say it's going to be 5 years 110-112 somewhere in that range, 21-22 million dollars a year. I uh, I think Gordon has proven that he is worth it. I think that we know his work ethic, we know who he is as a person. I think that he will put the work, extra work in to become a better player. Again, he's only 22, so I think that Gordon is worth that investment. I think he—I don't know if he will ever be Max number one option player, but I definitely think that he is a max player within this market and within the needs of this team. And from there, we can figure things out. But I think Gordon is a great building block to start with. I think if he between Gordon, Isaac, and whoever you're drafting in this year's draft. I think that is a great place to start uh, for the team. So I think, or I think Orlando in a very, very good spot. Um, you know, they obviously control Gordon's future, and I think that they'll look to keep him. and, and I'm not concerned with the injury history. Uh, looking more for your questions here. Uh, Chris also asked any order updates on T. Ross. No updates on him yet that I've heard of. Um, I don't know if he's he's back on, uh, back on, on track um, as far as as. Uh, Getting healthy or anything, uh, but I I imagine they want to see him play before the end of the season. If if it were me, I'd want to throw him out there for five, six games, let him get confidence in his leg again before the summer. You don't want him coming into the season uh, not feeling like he can play on an NBA court. So I I, I would definitely look to get him some minutes before the end of the season if he is healthy enough to go. Uh, George Castro asked two interesting questions here. Thoughts on remaining schedule in regards to tanking? Well, as I've said, I kind of focus on each individual game. I don't think about longer stretches because this Magic team is going to lose a lot, lose games. I, I don't think they need help. But if you're looking at tanking, according to Tankathon, the Magic have one of the easier schedules left uh, in the league. Um, after this West Coast trip, they have a seven-game homestand. They're literally home for the next three weeks. And they have a very home-heavy schedule because of that the rest of the way. If you believe that, that thing matters to a team that is at the bottom of the standings, Yes, the Magic would appear to be more likely to win games to close the season out. It would appear that they are more likely to eke out some of these victories and eke out um, some of these games uh, before the end of the season because they're home so much. I don't know if that's quite the case. I don't know if that's, um, that's really uh, what direction the Magic need to go, but... Or, or, or what's going to happen? Because a that road that that homestand is really tough. I, I if you look at that homestand, they play San Antonio in, in San Antonio on Tuesday to end the road trip. They go back to back at San Antonio Tuesday, home versus eighth seeded Milwaukee on Wednesday. Then they play the Boston Celtics, who've already clinched a playoff spot on fr- on Friday. Then they get a couple days off, so they get a chance to decompress. And then Tuesday for T Mac Knight, first seeded Toronto Raptors. So it's not an easy homestand at all. They do get Phoenix in that homestand. They also get Philadelphia in that homestand. I think Brooklyn and Chicago are also in that group. Um, so, yes, there are winnable games, and, and maybe the Magical go three and four in the homestand or two and five. Is that going to kill the tank? I don't think so. We saw what two wins did last week. Didn't matter in the end. Uh, I, I, I think that. This, honestly, my approach has been the standings is going to shake out how they need to shake out. The Magic need to focus on themselves, building the foundation, building the way they want to play, building, beginning to build a culture. There's no better time to start than now. Uh, and so uh, I want to see what the Magic do here. Here's a question I'm sure everyone's interested in. I'm sure I'll get into it on, tomorrow's episode of, uh, or on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic. What's your draft big board for the Magic? As I said, right now Orlando has the third best odds to win the lottery. It's kind of a tie. It's a huge jumble and a mess. Um, Here's where I stand on this. There are seven really good players in this draft. And I'm pretty sure the Magic are going to end up in the top seven. So I think they will get one of these seven players. So I'll truncate this and focus on these seven players. I think Luka Doncic... Is the absolute best player in this draft. And I love DeAndre Ayton. If I'm Orlando, though, I might still have Ayton number one on my board. And here's why Donkic is not a prototypical point guard. Maybe you can play him next to a DJ Augustin as a stopgap, but you still have to find a primary ball handler. I think Donkic will not be, he'll be a kind of hybrid guard in the NBA. And so I'm not sure he's quite the answer point guard for the Magic. And yeah, I think he should take best player available that high in the draft, and I think Doncic is the best player available. I might still slide Aiton, number one, because it's close enough. And Aiton, while not a great defender yet, I do see defensive potential in him. I think he can be a better rim protector, especially if he's playing center, I think you get him in the right coaching system with the right coaches, and Frank Vogel is a fantastic coach of big men. Even Nikola Vucevic has improved defensively under him. Give him a guy who's a little bit more athletic and a little bit more of a rim protector, and I think we'll really see things get unlocked. Now, Aiden's problem to me is defense doesn't feel natural to him, and that's a big issue for a center, but his talent is really good. He's a really good player. I am I'm, I'm a big fan of DeAndre Aiden, and, and I think, honestly... We saw what he did the last two nights in the Pac-12 tournament. I think he is capable of more because essentially the, the 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 Wildcats have him playing out of position. He's playing power forward, and he is not a power forward. He is a center. I like Dersan Ristich. He's a good college player. Get Dersan Ristich out of there. Get a stretch four for that dude. Get a, Get I mean, playing him next to Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, there will be enough length to cover up for some of his defensive mistakes. And he'll grow. He'll get better. And I think, you know, playing under a defensive-minded coach like Vogel, a good good teacher like Vogel and Chad Forcier and Corliss Williamson and Matt Hill and Jay Hernandez even. Like, there are good development coaches on this Magic team. I, I, I think, the, I think this, this, the culture is getting built. And I have confidence that they can grow DeAndre Ayton into the defensive player that they need. Right now, I would describe Ayton as a more offensively polished Andre Drummond. And I think most of us would be okay with that, right? I think most of us would be okay with that. So Aiton and Donkic to me are the clear one and two. After that, things get a little tricky. I've been asked this question a few times already. Who would you pick third? If if Aiton and Donkic are the clear one and two guys, who would you pick third? And right now, if I'm picking third, I'm picking between Muhammad Bamba of Texas and Jaron Jackson Jr. of Michigan State. Both are defensive-minded bigs who are very, very raw on the offensive end, still very, very raw in general. Jackson fouls a little bit too much at the college level. Bamba, I think Bamba wants to be a shooter, and and I think a lot of people envision him as a stretch five. I'm not there with him yet. I think his offensive game is very, very rudimentary, but great rebounder, great shot blocker, already has those instincts. Jackson, the same thing. Little wild sometimes with the fouling, with the jumping, but great shot blocker, pretty good rebounder, Offensive game is a lot further along too than than a lot of people give him credit for. So I think those two guys are next on my board. After that, I do have Marvin Bagley. I think I don't think he fits what the Magic need. He is a um, so we're at number five now. Five as Marvin Bagley. I think that he is a power forward in the NBA. I don't think he's a center. Um, chase's stats offensively really well. Um, so he can score um in, in a variety of ways. Defensively, he is just he's not there, man. He is he is not. Uh, it, if Aiden is a poor defender, Bagley is a really poor defender. I, I would put it that way. I, I like Aiden's defensive potential a lot more than Bagley's defensive potential. And while Bagley puts up good numbers,'m uh, I'm, I'm I've watched him a few times. I haven't watched him super close. Um, Duke zones to hide him essentially. Um, if I'm picking a Duke guy really, if I'm drafting eighth or ninth, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. to me looks like a better NBA prospect as defensively at least. Um, Bagley, I think, is going to put up points. He'll, he'll average 17-7 and seven right off the bat. I, 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 I think that's true. But you don't draft a guy for what he'll do his rookie year. You draft a guy for what he'll do five years down the road and what he can be, become. And Bagley, I, just, I don't trust defensively he'll be there. Uh, so number six, I have Trey Young. Um, he's fallen off a lot over the last month, month and a half. Um, obviously, teams have adjusted how they defend him. He's become a better... Um, he, the teams have really adjusted to him defensively. They've trapped him. They're, they're really going after him. He, he His weaknesses have become a lot more exposed. He's not great driving to his left, which is, I think, important for a point guard to be able to go both ways. Uh, and so Young definitely has a lot to get to. Um, and and uh, it, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see what team takes him. I mean, I, I think he has a chance to really warp a defense. He's got that Steph Curry potential. I, I don't I don't deny that. I, I think that that's hard to pass up, and you got to at least consider him because of that. But at the same time, I look at him and I'm like, he turns the ball over a lot. Is that just high usage? Like, what do I believe in him? Defensively, I think he's not going to be very good. Um, just doesn't have the size, I think, to play defense or, or necessarily even the speed. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Trey Young. He's probably going to be the most divisive guy in the draft. Either him or um, some of the other guys in here. So that's six. On uh, number seven, I have Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Injury scares me. The injury scares me. I honestly might take... I don't know if I would take Mikhail Bridges over him. Mikhail Bridges, Wendell Carter, and Colin Sexton are in my next three to finish out my top 10. So there's my top 10. Um, I don't know if I take any of those guys over over Michael Porter Jr. Um, he's obviously very, very talented. I mean, even just coming back from the back injury, he looked rusty but still produced. Uh, and, and he's got top, top overall pick potential. So I don't... Um, I don't think that uh, that that's uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the issue where the Magic need to go. Um, again, they have that position filled between Isaac and Gordon, so I'm I'm not sold that Porter is the right choice. If Magic end up seventh and he's the guy that's left to them, i trade down a few spots. I say, hey, here's a guy with number one pick potential. Give us something for him. You know, we'll move back a few spots. Take a Wendell Carter. Take a Colin Sexton. Take a Macal Bridges. Yeah, you know, you know, I wouldn't take Miles Bridges, but you know, take take that little bit of a gamble and try and get another asset if, if he's not if he, if you're not sold on him and, and the medicals is going to be huge for him. Really, when I look at this, when I look at my top ten board, a lot of it is going to be kind of sussed out with the stuff that we can't see. Interviews, figuring out who these people are as people, um, as as basket as as basketball minds, um, getting to know them, getting comfortable with them. That's what's going to make these decisions for GMS. Um, it, it's not all about talent and what we see on the court. It's about how does that translate to the NBA, and that's obviously a huge deal. Uh, Bobby Tyrone asks, "How do you feel about Mario?" My opinions on Mario Hazonia are probably well documented, um, and you know I'm probably not the guy to to, to, to completely say uh, uh, I, I'm not the guy to completely say that Mario Hazonia is is good is back or is what we all think he is. I think Mario Zoni is a fine player. I think Mario Hazonia has developed himself and grown into an NBA player and that's all we wanted to see from him this year really. I've given up on seeing fifth overall pick Mario Zonia I don't think that player exists and we see flashes of it at times it's just still very very inconsistent very very inconsistent. I think hisonia's shot selection while he's able to make some of those shots, Uh, is not great. He takes some weird, off-balance, contested shots, and he makes them occasionally, which is great. Don't don't get me wrong. He's making those shots now. He wasn't making those shots earlier, and it was just like, why are you taking those shots? Now it's like, why are you taking those shots? Okay, he made it. Good shot, kid. Defensively, he's gotten a lot better, but still roams around a little bit too much. His attention to to detail there is not always the greatest. But these are things you expect for a young player to grow into and, and grow from. Overall, I would say Mario Zoni has had a fantastic year. I, I, I don't think Mario could be any less happy with his season, except for maybe not playing better at the beginning of the year. He has grown and proven he's an NBA player, and someone will sign him this summer. His NBA career will continue. That was goal number one for him. He will find someplace that will give him playing time, and that will continue his growth. If the Magic want to make him an offer, I'm not against it. If the Magic want to bring him back, I'm not against it. Not in any way, shape, or form. I think that the Magic would be smart to bring him back. Continue to let him develop within their system. And if they can give him playing time, to give him that playing time. But if he wants to leave, I don't blame him either. And if he wants to leave and ends up leaving, I'm not losing sleep over it. Because it, it sounds like I'm trashing the guy, and I'm not. He is a very solid player role player, very solid bench player, very solid rotation player. That is fine. That is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. That is what he needed to be, especially coming off of last season. If he can continue to grow, then that's good too. But, obviously the Magic's contract situations are different. This isn't the group that drafted him. He's had a lot of inconsistency. He still has a lot of flaws. I'm not trusting him to start yet not if I want to win. And while he's good to put in a big game every once in a while, you know, he'll have a lot of games where he is not efficient with the shot and he's kind of shot hunting and and taking ill advised shots. I mean, how many times have we seen Izonia pull up and airball a three still even after he's playing well. So obviously the Magic still I I like Izonia. I I I make I try to make this clear so many times with with, with people who are Izonia fans who dislike my opinion on him. I like Azonia a lot. I think he still can grow into a very good player. I don't see him as a starter, and that's okay. That, that doesn't mean I hate the guy. But I think that that he's still got a lot of work to do. Jamal Lyons asked, is our biggest need either in draft or free agency? Is it center or point guard or both? When it comes to the draft, especially when you're drafting a size the magic of drafting, you take best player available, period. Really full stop. This year's a little different because I think the Magic are invested in in both forward positions with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, so I don't think you draft players at that position, which is why I've really taken Bagley and Porter off my board um, for the most part. You know, maybe you can shoehorn Bagley into a center, which is why I had him ranked a little bit higher earlier. Uh, but Porter is really, you know, I put him seventh because he's that talented, but he's really off my board. I, I, I'm not even really considering drafting him, especially with the injury history. The Magic obviously need to find a point guard somewhere. DJ Augustin is fine, he's good, he's should be coming off the bench. He's not a starter. But that doesn't mean they should look specifically for a point guard in this draft. If they get the number 3 pick and they've got a pick between Jaron Jackson, Mobamba and Trey Young, you take the best player of those three, whoever it is. You do not worry about we need to get a point guard here. Because there's no point guards later or there's no point guards in the free agency, we can't come back with you, Jackson. You can't think like that. You've got to take the best player for your team at that time. All the Magic's problems are not going to be resolved in one year. Let's make that perfectly clear. All of the Magic's problems are not going to be resolved this summer. There will still be holes in the Magic roster come next year. I suspect Nikola Vucevic will be moved. I think that that now is the time to trade him. Just get whatever you can for him, and just kind of move on. I I I, I don't I don't think there's any, um, I don't think that there's any notion that the team should. Uh, there, I don't think there's any notion that the team should kind of stay on that, or, or or stick with that for another year. I mean, I think it's very clear what the answer is there. But yeah, center and point guard are probably the two biggest needs for the Magic. They need a starter, quality center. Maybe Bismack Biombo's that, so I don't think it's that much of a dire need. I think Biyombo's proven that he can start, just needs the right guys around him. He can make the team a little bit better. Um, point guard, definitely need point guard. That's one of the big needs for the Magic The rest the, in this offseason. Uh, Chris Knight asked an interesting question, and someone asked about this earlier as well. Uh, recently on your podcast, you mentioned Becky Bonner as an upcoming executive. With that being said, do you think the Magic will go after Becky Hammond as their next coach? This gets into the other issue of is Frank Vogel on the hot seat. And and while um, I've talked a little bit about those Frank Vogel rumors, um, I, I mean, let me lay all my cards on the table, or at least all I've heard. Um, I've been, I mean, anytime a team is as bad as the Magic have been, coaching rumors inevitably pop up. You can't be as bad as the Magic are and struggle as much as the Magic have. Without questioning your players, your coaching staff, your executives. Now, obviously, the executives have a little bit of a grace period because this is their first year. So, I doubt the Magic are going to be firing Jeff Weltman and John Hammond after one year. That's my guess. Frank Vogel has been here for two years, both disappointing seasons. Now, how much do you want to blame the roster? How much do you want to blame the coach? Definitely up for debate. It is important to note that Jeff Weltman did not hire Frank Vogel. In fact, from everything I've understood, the Magic told management hires that Frank Vogel is the coach. You couldn't, you, you're not going to replace Frank Vogel after one year. They didn't want to do that to the players, and I assume they didn't want to have to pay a coach three years' worth salary or two years' worth salary to do nothing. Now, I've been hearing rumors about Frank Vogel since December. So I don't think this came out of nowhere. I think everyone, I think what we saw with the sporting news report about Jerry Stackhouse specifically um, was some dot connecting that may not really be there quite yet. My suspicion, I I would guess, and this is just a guess, this isn't informed in any way. I would guess Frank Vogel will stay another year, um, but the team will need to show marked improvement next season for him to keep his job. I think three years is about enough time to really establish your culture and and, and, and brand. But essentially, the team's going to be flipping over one more time. So maybe that even that's not enough time. So, personally, I think Vogel is, is relatively safe. I think that he's done about as good a job as he can do. We know what his flaws are as a coach. This isn't a great team for him. But I think he is the kind of coach that can continue to develop and build this, this team and this franchise. So I am... Perfectly all right with Frank Vogel remaining as the Magic's head coach. But it wouldn't surprise me if they move on either. Now, the Jerry Stackhouse rumor comes because of the connection between Jeff Weltman and Stackhouse. Jeff Weltman was with the Toronto Raptors when Jerry Stackhouse began his coaching career, and essentially was part of the group that hired him to be the head coach of Raptors 905. So there's there's a connection, and and, and along with those rumors I heard in December was Yeah, Weltman would like to bring in a guy that he trusts and knows a little bit better. That's not to say that that trust hasn't grown with Vogel since December. A lot of things have changed since December. But obviously this rumor didn't quite go away and people are beginning to wonder like what's going on in Orlando. Obviously management didn't hire this coach. What are they going to do? Now when it comes to Becky Hammond, Becky Hammond I think is going to be a great coach. I loved her playing in the WNBA. She was such a cerebral player had a great mind for the game. It was was really to me the Steve Nash of the WNBA. I loved watching her play. I am so excited and ecstatic that she had this opportunity with the Spurs, and has done a very good job with the Spurs. From everything that I've heard, it's looking like she is up for head coaching jobs in the NCAA. Colorado State is apparently looking very closely at her. That's her alma mater, I believe. I believe that is. Oh, sorry, I don't know my I don't know my college women's college basketball as well. So, it's very possible that she's off the board. It's very possible that she is looking for a head coaching job in the NBA, and I think that while she will make a very good head coach, she's—I mean, she's just as ready as Jerry Stackhouse is, probably. So I don't think it would be a bad hire at all. I don't think that you know I, it would—it would definitely make history. It would definitely be a historic hiring to hire someone like Becky Hammond as your head coach. Whoever's going to do it is going to get those headlines. But, again, she doesn't have the relationship with Welton, which would, make, which would lead me to believe that maybe that isn't the direction they go. But it could be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Magic do move on from Vogel this summer that they interview her, that they give her a chance. Um, I think that, you know, getting to what Bobby Tyrone here says, what about another veteran coach? I think that the Magic are most likely... Going to hire someone that Jeff Weltman knows, who's worked with Jeff Weltman before, and he's got a few guys. There's 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 an assistant coach in Denver that I've heard might be a good uh, good good fit for Orlando. Um, I'm, I'm blinking on his name, so I apologize. There there are good coaches out there. I think what the Magic want to avoid though with a veteran coach is they want to avoid kind of those retreads. They're not at a point where they need they should bring in and and maybe this was the flaw in hiring Frank Vogel when they did, but or keeping Frank Vogel, but they don't need a coach that can get them to the playoffs right now. They need a coach that's going to develop their young players and then get them to the playoffs. That was the original idea with Jacques Vaughn. That was what Scott Brooks did for Oklahoma City. That was the whole thought process, was a coach that will grow with his team. They don't need a guy to get them to the finish line right quite yet. They need a guy that will establish practices and standards, essentially. So a young coach tends to do that or relate to the younger players a little bit better, not as demanding Mark Jackson would be a terrible choice for this team. I'll, I'll just put it out there. I don't think I honestly don't think Mark Jackson's ever gonna be a head coach in the NBA again. Especially especially with an unestablished management group like Jeff Waltman and John Hammond. Like they're they're established, people know them, but they don't want a coach that's gonna undermine them. And that's essentially what Mark Jackson did in Golden State. Mark Jackson tried to undermine management. He didn't trust his assistant coaching staff. That Golden State team needed a, needed the kick in the butt he gave to get them to the playoffs and get them to realize how important defense was. But in the end, it was a huge mess. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Steve Kerr took what Mark Jackson built and made it a thousand times better. They needed to be loosened up a little bit. They, 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 they understood what they needed to do to win, but they needed... But they were, de- but Jackson really constricted them, I think, offensively especially. And again, the stuff behind the scenes that you hear about Jackson was really bad, and that's why I, I don't think Jackson's gonna be a head coach in this league for any any time. Like I, I know people like him because he's on TV, um, but I'm not sold that he's the right guy. Jason Kidd is an interesting one as far as veteran coaches. I guess he's a veteran now. Um, Chris Knight brings him up. Um, I've heard mixed things about how John Hammond feels about Jason Kidd. I've heard that both Hammond really liked Kidd, and I've also heard that Kidd kind of undercut him in Milwaukee a little bit. Um, And that's one of the reasons why Hammond left, and then eventually Kidd Kidd lost out on his job. He just tried to control things a little too much. My my understanding is Kidd is looking to be PBO as well as head coach, which I don't think is a good combination at all. Um, So, you know, who knows? There's... There's a lot of power dynamics that go on between coach and, and GM, uh, and, and you got to watch out for those. I think right now, Waltman wants control of this team. He hasn't really dug his, sunk his teeth into his team. So he's looking for a coach that's going to be a partner in that. I think Vogel can be a partner. Um, I think there are plenty of other coaches that can be a partner. Um, but he's not looking for a guy that, that, that kind of has his own ideas of where the team needs to go. Um, And, and unfortunately, Jackson's had that. Kid's had that. He, he needs someone on the same page as him. So I think that's... The, that's the direction they go, and I, honestly, I think they keep Vogel. I think Vogel is their guy. I think Vogel is 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 the guy at least for another year. Um, you know, just just give, let's give you a roster that we actually believe in that we can actually build with, and then we'll we'll evaluate you again. So it's probably going to be year to year with Vogel. Um, I next year probably isn't going to be much prettier than this year. It'll be more hopeful perhaps, but we'll see what happens. All right, that's going to do it for me today. We're coming up on one o'clock here on Sunday. I want to thank you all again. For tuning in to this week's Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, be sure to check out the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag. I'll be publishing that uh, Monday, hopefully, on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can always check out all the great posts that we have here over at orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as here on the Facebook page. You found us on Facebook, obviously, so give us a like. Let us know what you think about or or interact with us here on the Facebook page as well as on Twitter at omagicdaily. You can, of course, subscribe to our daily podcast, Locked on Magic, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, daily podcasts on the Orlando Magic. You get not quite an hour long uh, of of Magic talk, but at least 20, 30 minutes of Magic talk every day over at Locked on Magic until the end of the season at least. So be sure to tune in to that and subscribe and leave a comment there as well. On Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic, I'll be talking with Ricky Skrika. He's done some great work on the draft for us over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll be discussing the NCAA tournament, who to watch, what to watch, um, what we want to see from some of the top prospects as the NCAA tournament gets going. I know that's when a lot of NBA fans begin to focus on the college game. so we'll catch you up on what you need to know before you fill out your brackets, number one, um, because you will not be late for the first four. I fill out my first four. Um, and and uh, so before you fill out your brackets and what to watch for and what games really to focus on as the NCAA tournament gets set to go this week. So be sure to check that out on Tuesday by subscribing to the Locked on Magic podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of them down the so your podcast-enabled listening advice. You can course follow the podcast there at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. Um, you can, again, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore OMD and at omagicdaily. If you have any other mailback questions or any other questions you want answered, go ahead and send us a line omagicdaily at gmail.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for watching on Facebook Live or listening on Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rosenreich. I will see you all again next time for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day.